What's up, people? Another edition of Just for Sports. I'm OK Davis here with you. The World Cup is here. We have a month of football, proper football. Well, they're actually putting foot to ball way more often than American football. And I'm excited about it. Watch the opening ceremonies. That's right. I'm doing a, 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 a special edition, if you will, of Just for Sport on Sunday morning. Watch the opening ceremonies for the World Cup with my family getting ready for the first game, first match, however you want to call it, you know. But I'm excited about it. I gave my pick for who was going to win the World Cup in the last episode, but there's no doubt in my mind that there's a little bit of a going back and forth about who that actually will be. We'll talk about the World Cup, but also um, as it relates to the NFL and NBA and NHL a little bit as well. So we'll talk about that. Um, also, we'll get into the issues that I have with one Aaron Judge winning the MVP. And it reminds me of a MVP race some years ago, years, years ago. That really, uh, I don't know. I don't know about it. I don't know. But first, we want to talk about the National Football League. We've got some, you know, games coming up. I didn't do my gut check picks as I normally do on Thursday. And my apologies. Stuff going on. I'm here. I did at least tweet out who my pick was going to be, but I'm going to start today with my gut check picks. I will. But I want to first talk about, in this segment, the standings. Um, because we're at that halfway point. Most teams have played 10 games. Some of them have played nine and I'm looking at what divisions are stronger than the others. Which teams I am impressed with and which ones I am not. And why I'm disappointed in Washington for multiple reasons. I'm not going to take a long time going through it. The division I'm most disappointed in is in the NFC. And I think the reason I am most disappointed in them is because I thought it would be way more competitive than it is, and that's the NFC West. In some ways, I feel like it's upside down. The Seahawks are in first place at 6-4. and four. You know when Russell Wilson was taken off of the Seahawks. You're like, wait, what? Geno Smith? No way. Rams coming off of a Super Bowl championship are three and six. They just lost Cooper Cup for the season, most likely for the season. They're done. How have they been so bad? The Arizona Cardinals, I didn't expect for them to be good. But last year, they were undefeated well into, I think, about week 10, right? I think before they lost their first game, they're four and six. 
The 49ers are 5-4. They're about status quo, but it's really the Seahawks. So the division is upside down, and I thought it would be I thought it would be competitive. I thought the Seahawks would still be competitive, but not where it is right now. NFC South, Buccaneers are back at the top. That's about what I expected. I wasn't thinking anything of the Saints, Panthers, and Falcons this season. Buccaneers have stumbled, but they're back to 500. In the NFC North, I didn't expect the Packers to be 4-7, but I'm very happy. I'm so happy, so happy they're 4-7. But I never expected the Vikings to be 8-1. But you know if you're in Minnesota, you have to be thinking, uh... Can Kirk Cousins deliver when it's just a primetime game? As you know, I don't think he's won a primetime game, or maybe he's won an eight. But he's not really a primetime player. So let's see if having a new head coach, a new philosophy with their offense and defense, they're eight and one. They just beat the, the Bills, which was a big game for them. And let's see if they can continue on that. NFC East. The Eagles are 8-1. They lost to the Washington Commanders on Monday Night Football. Let's see if they can bounce back. I did not expect the Washington Commanders to beat the Eagles on the road. I didn't, so that surprised me. But the bigger surprise is the Giants at 7-2. 4-1 at home. 3-1 on the road. Daniel Jones, who knew? Well, he did. The Giants did. And I'm sure with Saquon Barkley, they are riding high. Cowboys, 6-3. and three. They should be 7-2. and two. They should have beaten. There's no doubt in my mind that they should have beaten the Green Bay Packers. And they let them off the hook. You remember that quote. They let them off the hook. Commanders, 5-5. Five and five. Eh, Okay, whatever. My thing that I'm most disappointed with is I'm tired of everyone acting like Taylor Heineke is the answer. He's not. He's not going to be the Tom Brady, okay? He's not going to be the Kurt Warner, and it's annoying. His record's 500, and everybody's acting like, oh, he's this magical quarterback. No, he's 500. He's not a good quarterback. They won a few close games, but I'm tired of in Washington us thinking like, yes, Taylor Heineke is a savior. Let's go it now. Granted, I didn't want Carson Wentz either. Go back from whence he came, as I've always said, even before he was in Washington. But I just feel like we do not have the quarterback situation fixed, and we haven't had it since we let Kirk Cousins go. And I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan. But when I look at the Minnesota Vikings and see them at 8-1, I'm like, yeah, we probably would have been a better team with Kirk Cousins. I didn't want him because of what happened with Kirk Cousins. I didn't want him because of all of the controversy that was surrounding Kirk Cousins and RG3. I think he needed to go. I think he needed to go. But when I see the reports today... That look, oh, we're going to stick with Taylor Heineke. Why? Explain to me why. Okay, fine. He went 3-1 and when Carson Wentz got injured. All right, they're playing the Houston Texans. They're 1-7-1. Maybe you say, okay, well... Let's see how it goes. I know you want to say that. 
But my thing is that there is no way we need to be thinking of Taylor Heineke as being that next quarterback. Now, the interesting thing is if Washington's going to play a, a draft game with Indianapolis, and that's why they're going to stick with Taylor Heineke, because here's the thing. If Carson Wentz plays 70% of the commander's snaps this year, they have to give the Colts a second-round pick. But if he doesn't... The Colts only get a third round pick. Now, if I'm the Colts, I may even like complain to the NFL. Like, come on. Come on. Give me a break. Now, I think it's, in my mind, we just do not understand what we're dealing with here. Okay, he's had a little bit of luck. Taylor Heineke. He's been with this team for five seasons. Do you remember Washington having a good year in that time and making a big playoff run and getting to like the NFC championship? No, he is not. We're making too big of a deal. Oh, Terry McLaurin, all of a sudden he's getting more catches. In six games, McLaurin was thrown to 36 times with 22 catches. Four games is 37 targets and 24 catches. I think it's semantics. Heineke, five touchdowns and four interceptions. His QBR is 46.6. He was undrafted out of Old Dominion. I don't care about the momentum. I just I just don't buy it. I'm thinking long term. And I feel bad because I should be able to give him more credit. But I just can't. I think Philadelphia lost that game more than Washington won it. They thought that we're riding high. We're undefeated. They had a lot of injuries. Philadelphia did in the show. Key injuries. All right, I got off a tangent there. I know I was talking about the Washington football team and I was going to talk about the rest of the divisions. AFC West. Chiefs are sitting atop the division at 7-2. and two. I'm a little disappointed in the Broncos and Raiders at 3-6 and six and 2-7 and seven respectively. I thought they would be better, but they probably should have kept uh, that interim coach that they had last year. I cannot remember his name for the Raiders. Chargers 5-4. and I'm not really a Brandon Staley fan. I don't think as much as in my fantasy team, I paid a lot of money for Justin Herbert. And he is definitely not delivered. And they're five and four. But the AFC West is about where I expected, if not record-wise, at least I expected Chiefs to be on top and the Chargers to be right below them. AFC South, Titans crept up on me. For some, I don't know. I guess I just, the way they started the season, I think they lost their first game of the year at home. And 
I think I just was mixing up the Colts and the Titans in terms of who was doing worse in my last pod or two pods ago. Titans are 7-3. and three, And I was like, wait, what What did I say? I was, I was thinking of the Colts. I thought they would be better. Jeff Saturday won on Sunday. Now the Colts are 4-5-1. and five and won. A game out of 500 if they were to win. But I also am like, yeah, but at the same time, that tie I think is going to come back to hurt them. Jaguars, Texans, about where I expected them to be. AFC North. We got the Ravens at 6-3. I expected them to be on top of the AFC North, but I thought the Bengals would be better. Now, they are a game over 500, so maybe they're turning it back around. They're 2-3 and three on the road. The Browns are about what I expected, 3-6. And, and same for the Steelers. You heard me say last year that I thought that it might be Mike Tomlin's first season where the Steelers don't have either a winning record or, you know, a 500 record. And so this is going to be the year they have their first losing season. They're minus 67 in points, net points, 2-2 two and two at home, 1-4 and four in the road. This isn't their year. Kenny Pickett's got a lot of growing up to do if he's to be the franchise quarterback. AFC East. The Dolphins sit atop the AFC East at 7-3. Then the Jets are the biggest surprise at 6-3. And, and I don't mean the biggest surprise in the AFC East. In my mind, it's the biggest surprise in all of the NFL. More than the... Maybe more, maybe I okay. Maybe we'll just say New York because I feel like the Giants actually do belong in that category. So I'm gonna say the New York teams are the biggest surprise in the NFL. Bill six and three should have beat the Vikings, they really should have. Patriots five and four. That division is looking good. That's gonna be a tough race, it's gonna be fun to watch. AFC East. NFC East are going to be the two tightest races going down the stretch. I do favor the East. And as I look at where teams are in the NFL, you're like, okay, well, what about the team futures? Buffalo Bills are still favored to win the Super Bowl at plus 400. The Chiefs are right behind them at plus 500. The team that I think is not a fraud, but I feel like the Eagles, the way that they lost to Washington, that does concern me. And I'm hearing a lot of chatter about the 49ers at plus 800 getting up there. And I could see that as a possibility. If I had to take a sleeper, if you will, if the Bengals can turn it around, you could get them at plus, you can get them at 28 to 1. I would take the Bengals at 28 to 1 to get back to the Super Bowl. The Titans are also at 28 to 1, and going into the playoffs, I thought they would be really, really good. They're also 28 to 1. Bucks are 18 to 1. I don't see it this year for them. Vikings 12 to 1. You know, I can't trust them. I feel like the team that's creeping up and people are talking about maybe the 49ers at 8 to 1. But the way that the Buffalo Bills lost that game, I think that Josh Allen 
and the Bills are headed in the wrong direction. To lose that game at home the way that they did, now they play in Detroit against Cleveland because of the weather. Okay, maybe they bounce back, but right now where it stands, I don't think the Bills are that team. I could see a Chiefs-Niners Super Bowl. And if you want a sleeper, hey, think about the Bengals. You can get the Cowboys at 10-1. to That's kind of a sleeper too. As I look at the record overall in the NBA, and there was an interesting article I read. Shout out to Vincent Godwell. Godwill. I think his name Godwill. It talked about the Golden State Warriors and that maybe it's time for them to think about the future. Um, Curry's playing well. I think they're going to have to think about moving off of Draymond Green. He talks about Klay Thompson as well. And I think in many ways, yeah, it's tough for them. It's tough. You're the NBA champs. And they're not playing like it. Which, by the way, uh, Wimbayama is all over the NBA. I mean, I feel like they're promoting his games more than they're promoting NBA some days. Watch Wimbayama. That's the headline. Wimbayama. Because they're trying to get people to download the NBA app. I get it. I do get it. But the funny thing is you think about the article talking about is it time for Golden State Warriors to make a hard decision Okay, maybe they're not necessarily worried about one game, right? Maybe they're not necessarily worried about one game. Or this, how they started the season. But I think when you look at the Golden State Warriors are 7-9, and nine, okay, they're far from the basement where the Rockets are at 3-13. and 13, But if they have a bad season... And maybe a team is like, okay, we'll take Jordan Poole or James Wiseman and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson for their number one pick, which is probably really unlikely. I'm just being ridiculous, really. When I sit out my mouth, I was like, there's no way that's going to happen. But I'm just saying, I wouldn't mind, obviously, as I said, I wouldn't mind having a bad season right now. At least for a chance to get Wimbayama. Because in the article, when it says, the headline reads, is it time for the Golden State Warriors to make a hard decision? I think it's an easy decision. Let's go on ahead and lose, and let's see if we can get Wimbayama. If we don't, at least, you know, maybe we're in the lottery. And I don't think they're going to be that bad. But I'm just saying. You got the Bulls, the Magic, 
the Hornets, the Pistons, the Lakers, the Rockets, and the Spurs. They're not going to say it out loud, but those teams like, I don't care if we win, right? And the Bulls technically only one game worse than the Warriors. The Warriors are 7-9, Bulls are at 6-10. and ten. All of these teams that are just salivating. I mean, the league is salivating. You go on NBA.com, the headline is Wimbayama returns to action in France. He's seven foot four, the Eiffel Tower. I mean, to me, that's a better nickname. And then, like, I was saying it for like two weeks and I remembered, oh, yeah, I think somebody was calling Rudy Gobert the Stifle Tower. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. But there's definitely a feeling of... excitement for Wimbayama. As I'm looking at the standings of the NBA, because I did it with the NFL... Hawks, 10 and 6. Now, here's my thing why I think they're the biggest surprise. The Utah Jazz, uh, well, they go on that list too. Utah Jazz and the Atlanta Hawks are the biggest surprise. But I expected the Hawks to be different. The best move they made was getting to Jonte Murray. A big win the other last night too on the lob pass. I'm like, wait, who? I mean... Somebody was sleeping on defense to let that happen. I don't even understand that. I mean, if you watch, just watching that alone, I just couldn't understand how in overtime, with so little time left, how you let Trey Young get by you and for alley-oop to, to Griffin? I, I don't I just don't get that one. That was sad. But the signing of DeJonta Murray. I feel like I'm saying his name right. DeJonta? DeJonte? I had the Hawks at minus five and, and a half, so obviously didn't win that. But that oh god, that defense was just so bad. I don't even understand how it was so bad. I really don't. But it is what it is. Toronto could have walked away with a win. Well, maybe. I mean, the game was tied when there was alley-oop pass, but there's a possibility of them winning. And it was probably like one of the most crushing losses. But anyway, the Hawks, they are playing well. The Boston Celtics are the best team in the NBA at least by record at 13 and 3 but in the rankings yeah they're they're up there and it's amazing to see after all that happened with Ime Udoka but they were in NBA finals last year so they should be where they are they should be where they are 
If you look at the team futures for the NBA, we got some time. We got a lot of time for the futures. We do. Boston Celtics are favored at plus 425. About 4 to 1. Bucks are 6 to 1. The Warriors are still there at 7 to 1, along with the Clippers, who are getting Kawhi Leonard back. And let's see if they can kind of get in the rhythm. The biggest disappointment right now might be the Denver Nuggets. Yes, they're 9-6, and six, but with the MVP, which, by the way, did you realize, like, what, the last five MVPs were all international players? And then Wimbayama's going to be like Wes Unseld and get Rookie of the Year and MVP next year? Watch. Watch it happen. If you could put a bet on it now, you should. You really should. And that hasn't been done since West Unsell. The Suns are right, but I just don't see the Suns. I don't see the Nets either. I still wonder if you could take a sleeper pick in the Pelicans at 30 to 1. They're only 9 and 7, but they've also dealt with some early injuries. Zion wasn't playing. Brandon Ingram wasn't playing. They're only 5-5 five and five in their last 10. When you look at the Eastern Conference versus the Western Conference, there's six games between the first seed and the 10th seed. Four games between the sixth seed and my Washington Wizards and the Celtics. But... If you look in the Western Conference, oh, that's going to be a race to the finish. And it's early in the season. Only three games separate the top 10 teams. I don't want to go too far down, but only six games separate the Lakers as a 14th seed. Three games for them to get back in the playoffs. Because the Timberwolves are 8-8. Eight eight, one of the bigger disappointments so far this season. Although they won three in a row. I thought they would be better. And their ebbs and flows to every season. Timberwolves are 4-6 and six in their last 10. Sacramento's 8-2. Which they have one of the best traditions in the league. Now everybody's going to do it. But that beam of light shooting up from the arena after a win. You got everybody taking pictures of where they are in the city. Watching the beam go up. That's pretty cool. But the Timberwolves as a 10 seed are only three games out of first place. Utah Jazz 12 and 6. Timberwolves 8 and 8. It's going to be jumbled. When you look at something like the conference record of the Phoenix Suns at 9 and 3. The Jazz at 11 and 3. If they keep that up, that's going to be the tiebreaker. I mean, Phoenix Suns are 3 and 0 in their division. When you go to the divisions, yeah, there's a little bit more separation, right? There is. The tightest race is the Northwest Division with the Jazz, Trailblazers, Nuggets, Timberwolves, and Oklahoma City Thunder where four games separate them. The widest difference or games behind is the Central Division 
The Bucks are 11 and 4 and the Detroit Pistons are 3 and 14. They're not catching them. But there's still hope for a lot of other teams. Rockets aren't catching the Grizzlies. John Morant won't be on his Grizzly for a little bit. So the Dallas Mavericks slowly pulling pulling putting it together, excuse me. They're 9 and 6, only a half game out. San Antonio Spurs won 9 their last 10. They're like, "Yeah, we're in the Wimbayama sweepstakes." We're just going to keep going down here. We're good, we're good with that. We're good with that. But I think that there is definitely more parity in the league this year. And I think you could look at some of the sleepers. Shoot, if you want to, you know at some point the Lakers may make a big trade. Take them at 70-1 to 1 to win the NBA championship. You never know. You just never know. What I do know is that Major League Baseball, in my mind, has a big predicament. And the big predicament for me is with MVP. There is no way that Shohei Otani isn't the most valuable player in all of baseball. There isn't one person that if you said you are starting a team from scratch today, who are you taking as the best player? Your number one pick. Overall number one pick. It would be Shohei Otani. Not Aaron Judge. And he seems like a pretty nice guy. He really does. But I think the Yankees had a better team. Otani only got two first place votes because the team is bad. Jordan Alvarez got no first place votes and he's holding the World Series trophy. I just think in many ways, Major League Baseball, it reminds me of like when, that's why I wanted to bring this up. It reminds me of like when Carl Malone won the NBA MVP when Michael Jordan was playing. Like, no, every year it's Michael Jordan. But I understand what it's all about what the voters think makes up an MVP. The MVP definition of it is about in a team sport whose individual performance is the greatest in an entire league on a team or in a, you know, competition. And realistically, come on, y'all. There's no way that you wouldn't say that Shohei Otani is the most valuable player. He bats and pitches. I mean, that's all you got to say. There's no way it's Aaron Judge. There's just no way. I love that the these trophies are given out after the season is over. But then also you can look back at it and you're like, yeah, but I mean, it was voted on before the playoffs. And it's like, okay, well. They didn't make it. And so it's a catch-22 if like, well, should the MVP be someone that it also translates to the playoffs? And in the end, they're like, no, we don't want that. And I get that. But there is no team that wouldn't take Shohei Otani as their number one overall pick. And so I just don't know how you can call anybody but him MVP. There is a... 
excitement around the World Cup. And it's just beautiful. It really is. As I watched the opening ceremonies, I wish the players, I wish it was a little bit more like the Olympics, that you would see the players. That's the only thing I'm like, ah, oh, that would have been cool. I'll be rooting for USA, Tyler Adams as a cat as a captain. They open against Wales on Monday. I don't necessarily expect them to do anything amazing. They're the underdog as usual. Nobody expects USA to be, you know, near on the level of France and Germany. Brazil is still favored to win the World Cup at plus 350. Argentina at plus 500. Netherlands is my sleeper at plus as 11 to 1. They're my sleeper at 11 to 1. I have a lot to talk about with the World Cup per se. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to enjoy it as I'm sure if you're into the World Cup, you will too. The one thing I was curious about is what having the World Cup, first of all, the fact that they spent $200 billion on improving Qatar. That's the correct pronunciation, I think. It's, it's not Qatar. It's Qatar. Qatar. And then you read a little bit more about the $200 billion, You find out that a lot of it was built on the infrastructure of the city. They do have eight stadiums, the least number of stadiums ever for a World Cup. And they probably should have gone to a country that already had stadiums. But whatever. We're here now. We know that FIFA, they were bribed all over the place for Qatar to get the World Cup. I mean, it's sad that we know that there were bribes and there's nothing that we're going to do about it, but okay, whatever. I mean, maybe because they are so powerful. It's just like it is what it is. I'm curious that not only did they have a World Cup in Qatar, but in the wintertime because it was too hot in the summer. Like, the fact that they wanted a World Cup in the Middle East before 2030 was really like a bunch of billionaires basically saying, FIFA, we'll give you whatever money you need to just give us a World Cup. Okay, give us a billion dollars and you can have the World Cup. And that's pretty much what they did. Fine, here's a billion dollars. We'll make it up. We got all the oil we need. We'll just, you know, sell more oil. And all of a sudden, it'll be like water under the bridge. They could burn a billion dollars and it wouldn't matter to Qatar. And that's pretty much what they did. I like whatever. So I watched opening ceremonies. I don't know about that mascot. I mean, we've seen some really like, I'm just curious what the ranking of that mascot will be. But what I'm more curious about is the ratings for the NFL. Now that you have the Winter World Cup, the games, to an extent, are going to be played at the same time as NFL games, mostly when they're day games like on Sunday, and the World Cup's only a month. But I'm curious to see what the ratings will be like today. Are people watching football? Now, because of the time difference, it may not uh, affect the ratings that much, except for, like I said, on a Sunday, but I'm just curious about it. 
a long shot, some bets that I was thinking about is USA to make the quarterfinal is four to one. That might be a good one to take. England to make it to the group stage plus 800, eight to one. Portugal, nine to one is the runner up. I think Ronaldo could maybe get him to the group. Cristiano Ronaldo can get him to the group stage. Plus three fifty. Three dollars and fifty cents to one. If you really want to vote on USA, Christian Pulisic to score and USA to win at plus seven fifty in their first match, you could take that. Some good USA specials out there. Will a USA player score twice in any game at plus 225? Uh, I guess I can take that. No, I, I would take more. Will any USA group game be 0-0? I'll take that at plus 260. Soccer does that to you. That's the only thing I don't like about it. But there's some good games that'll, you know, you're if you're into soccer, you're going to have fun. Uh, for one time every four years you get to enjoy this. My dad and brothers are having a nice little potluck because they're going to watch the World Cup together. Wish I was down there. They're going to have a lot of fun together. It's going to be exciting for them. I know. All right, last thing on the agenda as we'll switch to the other football, American football. And I got to do my gut check picks. My gut check picks for this week in the NFL. We're starting with the Eagles at minus six and a half at the Colts. Can Jeff Saturday get another day with the Indianapolis Colts on the Sunday? I'm going to take the Colts at plus six and a half. Browns at the Bills. Bills are favored at minus seven and a half. I'm going to take the Bills. Detroit Lions as the road dog at plus three. I'll take the Giants at minus three. Wow, that's uh man, that's I I don't know why I just stumbled on that. Like, wait a minute. Bears at Falcons. Now, this is a tough game here. I'm gonna take the Bears at plus two and a half. If nothing else, they may not be winning as much as you want them to be, but Justin Fields seems to be turning a corner as a quarterback, and boy, can he really turn that corner, no pun intended, and get to that end zone. Didn't he have two touchdowns over 60 yards back to back last weekend? Carolina Panthers at the Ravens. I just don't know what the Ravens bring to the table sometimes. That number just seems too large. I think I'm going to have to take the Panthers at plus 12 and a half. The Washington Commanders at the Houston Texans. Now, I know we could say the they're the, the road favorite at minus three. The Texans aren't very good. I'm going to take my home team. I'm going to go with Washington at minus three. We'll see if Taylor Heineke can shut me up. The Jets at the Patriots, a divisional game. This is big for Bill Belichick to show what he can do. It's also big for Robert Salah and the Jets to show that they're for real. That's a tough one to pick. I think I'm going to go with the Jets. At plus three and a half. Rams at the Saints. As I said, uh, Rams aren't really good this year. But the Saints don't know what they're doing either. In many ways, they're just as bad. 
Another tough game to pick. I think I'm going to take the home team at minus two and a half. No, what are you talking about? The Rams, I don't know how they're playing, but I'm going to take the Rams at plus two and a half. They should be better. Saints, you expect, you knew they were going to be bad. Raiders at the Broncos. Ah, Raiders, an emotional post-game press conference by Derek Carr. Unlike him in many ways, but also at the same time understand how frustrated he is with the way the season has gone. I'm going to take the Broncos mostly because they're at home, but it's going to be a close game because it's a divisional game. Cowboys at the Vikings. Now this is a game I want to see. And as I mentioned earlier about the World Cup, you're going to be watching one or the other. Maybe not necessarily for this game, but just in general. I'd be curious if you, you know, how many people, more people are watching the World Cup versus NFL football. And of course there are a lot because it's the world game. I'm wondering more about the ratings in America. Now this is a tough game to pick. But this is the game that the Vikings need to show that they're for real. And I'm going to take the Vikings at plus one and a half. I thought the Cowboys, the way that they played against the Packers, they should have won that game and they didn't. Maybe they can bounce back. And I know I'm going all the way back to the Packers game versus the Cowboys, but I feel like the Vikings are heading in the right direction. And the Vikings are kind of, I mean, excuse me, and the Cowboys are kind of flatlining in my mind. I'm taking the Vikings at plus one and a half. Bengals at the Steelers. Bengals are favored at minus three and a half. I'm going to, it's a divisional game, so it should be closer. But man, the Bengals, they, you know, when you, the thing is, because who the Steelers are, the Bengals will be up for that game. And they're going to show them that we're the we're the top dog now. I'm taking the Bengals in that game. Chiefs Chargers. This is going to be a good game. Brandon Staley will find a way to lose the game. I think he will make a mistake. But I also think that uh, Justin Herbert's a really good quarterback. I know they're going to be up for this game. I think the Chiefs will still win this game, but I think a divisional game, and I think it's in Mexico City, I think it will be a closer game. I'm going to take the Chargers at plus five and a half, and then Monday night, it's the 49ers at the Cardinals. Yes? Huh? Okay, why are you coming down here and telling me that? Okay, I'll I'll come up and put the games he has on that iPad. Hold on, I'll be right up. Okay, okay, I'll be right up and then I'll get it for you. And then we've got the Monday night game. Now I would be excited about this, but I feel like the Cardinals just aren't very good this year. I'm going to go on ahead and take the Niners at minus eight. No way. I'm taking the Cardinals. This is a division game. Come on. I'm going to take the Cardinals at plus eight. So here are my picks. I got Cardinals at plus eight, Chargers at plus five and a half, two home dogs. Bengals on the road at minus three and a half. Vikings as their home dog at plus one and a half. Broncos minus two and a half. Rams plus two and a half. Jets plus three and a half. Commanders minus three. Panthers plus 12 and a half. Bears plus two and a half. Giants minus three. Bills minus seven and a half. And the Indianapolis Colts at plus six and a half. And that'll do it for my gut check picks for Sunday and Monday. And that'll do it for Just for Sport. I'm Jim O'K. Ciao for now. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than prize picks. 
Prize Picks is the leading over/under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the Just for Sport podcast. All you have to do is sign up now and use the promo code J for Sport, and Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep. That's right, they'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the PrizePix app today. 